Welcome to the Grace of Eugene podcast. We exist to help every person in our sphere of influence to encounter Christ, experience biblical community, and extend God's kingdom. You can learn more about us at gracecityeugene.com. Here's the podcast. If you haven't been with us, we have been in a sermon series called Misquoted. And what we've been doing is we've been looking at Bible verses or maybe concepts that are attributed to the Bible that are misused, misquoted, maybe abused in some cases. Some of these things can actually be toxic and create division in the church. Some of them are just discipleship issues where you end up following the wrong thing because you have a misunderstanding about what God actually says. And we started out the first week talking about fool's gold, how there's things out there that look all shiny and nice, but really it's just fool's gold. And the reality is we need to be seeking wisdom and biblical truth as we look at the scriptures, as we look at how to live our lives following Jesus. And then the next two weeks, we talked about a couple verses that are misquoted that um, maybe you don't hear about them a ton, but over the last couple of years, they've really become bigger things and they can become really divisive. We talked about the fact that Second Chronicles 7.14 is not about the United States. It's not a prophetic word for the United States. If you want to know more about that, go listen to the recording. Then we talked about 1 Corinthians and women's role in the church. We tackled that one and the misunderstanding of that. And then we're kind of pivoting into some more of the discipleship issues. So last week, we talked about uh, the misquoting of do not judge, how we can just kind of use that as a stiff arm from accountability and discipleship, like, hey, don't judge, man, and it just keeps everyone at an arm's length that actually cares for you and would desire to call you higher to becoming a disciple of Jesus and looking more like him in this world. That was last week's. And then next week, y'all are going to get to hear from Pastor Casey but wait, I thought Casey's on the mission team. He is. So you got to show up next week to see how we're going to make that happen. I mean, y'all are seeing all the technology that's coming out. You got holographic technology. You got AI. We don't even know how it's going to, well, we know, but you don't yet. So be here so you can see how Pastor Casey is going to preach out of 1 Corinthians 10 next week. And then the final week, we will wrap it all up with talking about money being the root of all evil. That will be the the final one. But this week, that's great, Pastor Chris. That's what we've done and what we're going to do. What about this week? Today we're going to talk about this idea that is often attributed to being a biblical concept of following your heart. It just sounds so warm and fuzzy, doesn't it? Follow your heart. This is a creed embraced by millions of people. I'm sure you've heard people in in your world and in conversations like, man, you just got to follow your heart. Just follow your heart. And uh, like, I'm sure that maybe, maybe it's quiet in here because you've said it. Um, but the reality is, is this is a statement of faith in a great pop cultural myth of the world. That like the heart is a worthy leader. It's a gospel of sorts that is proclaimed by many of the stories in the movies and the songs that we encounter in contemporary society. Just follow your heart, man. Just, just follow your heart. And essentially, it's this belief that your heart is this some sort of compass inside of you that will direct you to your own true north if you'll just have the courage to follow it. You know what I'm saying? You follow it. You, you hear people use it like this, right? It says that the heart is our true guide and will lead you to true happiness if you just have the courage to listen to it. Be your true self. Follow 
your heart. This creed functionally says that your heart will save you. That your heart will save you. There should be some red flags going up if you're a follower of Jesus when I say that. This creed tells you that your heart will save you. It can sound so simple and it can sound so beautiful and liberating, right? Like everything I need to conquer the world is contained right with it, like in my heart. Like, nah, fam, that's not quite it. But the reality is for people that are lost, both in the church and outside of the church, this is a tempting false gospel to believe. It sounds really sexy. It sounds really appealing. It sounds like, yeah, that's kind of the, the, the relevant, like, way people go about life and society today, but we need to ask ourselves, not just does that feel good, does that sound good, but is our heart a leader that we really want to follow? Is that a leader that we really want to follow? And if we're honest with ourselves, it can seem like it is one that we want to follow until we realize that our heart has some sociopathic tendencies, Our heart isn't always the best leader. Just think about it for a moment. And please don't answer this out loud. But what does your heart tell you? What kind of things does your heart tell you? Your heart has likely said things to you that you would not wish to repeat in public. I know that mine has. My heart tells me that all of reality ought to serve my desires, that this world, that I should view it from a self-centric perspective, that it's all about me and my feelings and needs and desires. That's what my heart tells me. It likes to think the best of me and the worst of others. You ever notice that, that your heart is your biggest cheerleader so often? But man, is it critical of anybody else and their intentions and their reality and having any compassion to what they might be going through in their lives. Perfectly wonderful people. And your heart doesn't necessarily give them the benefit of the doubt like it does with you. Especially if those people don't think well of you. If there's any sort of tension, or maybe they just disagree with a decision or something you've said, then your heart will make them opposition. It will make them an enemy. It'll tell you that something is wrong with them. And while my heart is pondering like my virtues and others' errors and how awesome I am and how wrong they are, it can suddenly find something that might be immoral or like destructive, really attractive in those moments. It can cause us to let our guard down and start to see things that we know when we're in a a good headspace are divisive and are destructive, but they become appealing when we listen to our heart as our leader in these areas. Now, this follow your heart creed certainly is not found in the Bible. It's not a biblical concept. The Bible actually thinks that our hearts have a disease, Did you know that? The Bible thinks that our hearts have a disease. Jeremiah 17, 9 says this. The heart is deceitful above all things. Not like uh, somewhere in the middle. Above all things, the heart is deceitful and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Who can understand it? And then Matthew 15, 19, Jesus, the great physician, is speaking. He lists some grim symptoms of this disease. He says, out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, 
slander. Qualifications aren't looking so good, are they? So let me ask you this, just to put it in different terms, because I know that the heart is maybe comfortable to us. But let's just suppose that you have a major, like, life-changing decision to make. You have this big decision looming, and you're looking for a counselor. You're looking to go to someone to talk to this with, to help process with. You're looking for a guide of sorts. And your friend says, hey, I know this guy, or I know this gal, and like, I know him. You should, you should go to them. Here's a name. So you take that name, and this is one of the areas where I say praise God for the internet. You start searching reviews. And you start reading about their references, and you find out that this person is actually desperately sick. They're deceitful. They think evil thoughts all the time, and they have the capacity for, for murder, for adultery, for sexual immorality, theft, lying, and they're caught up in slander all the time. How fast would you run from that counselor? Would you entertain it? You'd be like, ah, it's worth just talking to him, right? I'll go have a console that's free. Like, why not? No, you're going to turn around and you're going to run as fast as you can in the other direction. Am I right? Okay, it's not right. All right. <clears throat> Hopefully, you guys, if you're looking at a counselor, these are things not to look for. Okay. <clears throat> if it were me, there'd be like, not that I can move that fast anymore, but like a trail of smoke behind me as I'm running, right? Like it's, it's going to be as fast as I can get out of there. I'm going the, the other way. So then why would you want to follow your heart if those are the same things that the Bible attributes to our heart? Yet we allow and invite our heart to be our guide. We allow and invite our heart to counsel us, to lead us, when that is the resume upon which it stands and is dictated by the creator of the universe. Is it a worthy leader of your life? Why would you follow your heart? The scriptures are inspired by the one who created your heart and indicates that it is sick, it is diseased, it is not a good leader. This is not leadership material. I don't think we have to get out of the 101 level to understand. This is not leadership material. The truth is no one lies to us more than our own hearts. No one lies to us more than our own hearts. Our hearts will never tell us the truth. They only tell us what we want. Our hearts are really bad at telling us the truth, and they're excellent at telling us what we want, our desires, what makes us feel good. They're not benevolent and gracious. They're pathologically selfish. The nature of our heart is that they are selfish. In fact, if we do what our hearts tell us to do, we will pervert and impoverish every desire, every beauty, every person, every wonder, and every joy that we see in our lives because our hearts want to consume those things for our own self-glory and our own self-indulgence. Our hearts want us to just consume those things so that our desires are gratified, so that our needs and wants are met, and we will leave a wake of destruction behind us if we we follow this quite unqualified, sick, deceitful leader. No, our hearts won't save us. We need to be saved from our hearts. That's the story of the Bible, is not follow your heart so it saves you, but the heart's deceitful and you need saved from it. So that leaves us with a question then. 
So who is a leader worth following? And this is where you get the Sunday school answer and it works. Jesus, God, (laughs) a leader worth following. You see, our hearts were never designed to be followed, but they are designed to be led. So what happens when we follow something that's not leadership material, that was never created to lead our lives, for us to use as some sort of compass? Our hearts are designed to be led. They were never designed to be gods, little g gods in whom we believe, that get to dictate our reality in any given moment based on the circumstances of our feelings and our fortunes. They were designed to believe in God, to be renewed, to get a new heart from our new life, found in Jesus. If we make our hearts little g gods and ask them to lead us, they will lead us to narcissistic misery and ultimately separation from our creator, not connection to him. They cannot save us because what's wrong with our hearts is the heart of our problem. What's wrong with our hearts is the heart of the problem. But if our hearts believe in God as they are designed to, then God saves us. And he leads our hearts to exceeding joy. You see, when we make that differentiation that our hearts aren't to be followed, but they're to be led, that we are not to follow our hearts, but they are to follow God. They are to be redeemed by God. They are to be directed towards him. Then we can find great joy. We can find purpose. Therefore, don't Follow your heart. Don't believe in your heart. Direct your heart to believe in God. If there's anything you can wake up each day and say, it's that I trust and follow Jesus. And heart, I tell you, follow him with everything we have. Follow Jesus with everything we have. Don't follow your heart. Follow Jesus. Note that Jesus didn't say to his disciples, Let not your hearts be troubled. Just believe in your hearts. That's not what he said. He said, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and also believe in me. Believe in me. So though your heart will try to shepherd you, it'll try to lead you, do not follow it. Do not follow it. Your heart is not a shepherd. In fact, I would argue that it's a pompous sheep that due to remaining sin, it has some wolf-like qualities. It has some wolf-like qualities. Don't follow it and be careful even listening to it, even entertaining it. Like I mentioned earlier, if I got a counselor that's like, well, this person's got a few trials that he's in the midst of for murder and adultery, I'm not going to be like, yo, hey, wife, let's go have a free consult with this potentially murderous adulterer. That's that's not what I'm going to do. I'm not even going to entertain it. So why entertain the leadership of your heart, of your flesh, that God, who created it, has been very clear? It's not worth following. Don't follow it. Be careful even listening to it. Remember, your heart only tells you what you want, not where you should go. Tells you what you want, not where you should go. So, what do we take from this? Number one, Jesus is your shepherd, not your heart. Jesus is your shepherd. He leads you. He leads you to rest, to green pastures, to water, to renewal, to safety, to direction, to mission, to the path forward. That's Jesus, not your heart. 
listen to his voice that is contained in his word and follow him. Amen? And follow him. He is the truth. He is the way. And he is the life. The truth is not contained within yourself. If it were, you wouldn't need saved. But the reality is, there's somebody that is a qualified leader that did come to earth to save us. When I look at what kind of qualifications do I desire in like a great leader? Now, I'm not saying I'm going to put these qualifications on anyone that can ever lead me in anything. But if I'm like the, the one person that I'm going to say has total allegiance to lead my life, that I will follow them wherever they call me. Some, some things that make that worthy to me is a victorious leader. How many people love following a victorious leader? Maybe it's just me. A faithful leader. Anybody like to follow a faithful leader? A just leader. One that is in their essence just. One that is sacrificial. One that is a servant leader. A humble leader. A leader with a mission. And a leader who loves me and is willing to show it. Those are qualifications of a leader that I will say yes, no matter what they say to and those are the things that encompass, just some of the things, but those are things that encompass the person of Jesus Christ and what he did for each one of you in this room. So why would we say follow your heart when we have an opportunity because of the blood on the cross and the work of Jesus Christ here on earth to follow him? Why do we need any other leader besides him? No one else is qualified. Other people and other things might not challenge us as much, but... You're not going to get victory. You're not going to get sacrificial leadership, servant leadership. You're not going to get a leader that loves you and is willing to show it by paying the ultimate price of giving their life to pay for what you had coming for you. That's a leader that I want to follow. Worship team, you can come back up. Jesus is the only person worth following. The only person we're coming into another election year. I don't care if it's red or it's blue or what it is, not worth following. We align ourselves with a different kingdom. We don't align ourselves with a political party or a potential policy. If the Bible speaks to it, then we can speak to it. But our allegiance is not in any of those things. Our allegiance is in Jesus Christ and his kingdom. And oftentimes that puts us in an awkward tension in our society, doesn't it? Let's be real. Our allegiance going to Jesus can put us in awkward tensions and conversations. But I'm okay being in those awkward places when that means I'm saying yes to Jesus, who is the only faithful leader that I have ever known of. And I have given my life to follow him, declare his truth, and see people come to know him, be saved by him, redeemed by him, have a new heart because of what he does, be filled with his spirit so that we can live a life that is meaningful on purpose and full of joy and hope. Amen? That is a leader that I will follow. And if that's a leader that you want to follow, I would urge you, like, remind yourself of that every day. And then we have to ask ourselves a few questions. Okay, if I'm going to follow the leadership of this person, in what areas am I not saying yes in? Oh, pastor, it was so fun until you went there. Gosh. Conviction. If that's who... It's calling the shots in your life. If you're saying, I put my faith, my trust in King Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of my life, what areas are you holding white-knuckled and not giving him access to or handing over to him or entrusting to him? 
Is it your family? Is it your job? Is it your money? Is it your friends? Is it the people in your life that don't yet know Jesus as their Lord and Savior and you just don't want to harm that relationship so you're not willing to tell them what good news is before them that they can just receive if they would repent and put their faith in him? Is that where you're at? I wanna urge you, Jesus will not lead you astray. He will finish what he starts. He is a good leader. He is a perfect leader. He is righteous, he is just, and he loves you. And you may not see an answer to your prayer tomorrow because quite frankly, the way we view time, God doesn't view it the same way. I can't tell you how many times people are like, well, I prayed and it's been a week, pastor, and God hasn't answered my prayer. I'm like, I'm just seeing answered prayers from 12 years ago, buckle up, but it's worth it. It's worth it. I got to experience close family members saying yes to Jesus recently that I've been praying for for 15 years. What if I would have gave up? What if I would have said, well, I've had this conversation before, I'm not gonna have it tonight, when the time presented itself. Always be ready to say yes to Jesus and his leading in the words he wants to come out of your mouth, not the actions your heart tells you to take to gratify yourself, amen? Family, there is a mission set before us. This life we live is not just about fulfilling our desires. It's not just about feeling good about ourselves and our truth and relativity. This life is about saying yes to Jesus and then everything that he tells us to do after that. Not just so that we can get pulled away to heaven someday so that we can bring kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven. So that everywhere that we gather, everywhere that we serve, everywhere that we declare his name, people will get a glimpse of the kingdom of God right here and now. That is why we live. Can we get behind that? So as I pray to close, I just ask that you would humbly consider, God, I wanna say yes to you. If that's you that's saying that, what needs to change? What am I withholding? What am I turning a muffled ear to your voice on? What am I putting on those little orange earplugs in? Because you keep telling me this over here, but it's just getting exhausting. And I told you, you don't get that part of me. Give that part of you to him and see what he will do. See what he will do. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that we may have been born with a heart that is deceitful, that is sick, but that you give us a heart transplant when we say yes to you that you change the very makeup of our being, that you renew our mind, that you then give us a mission and a family and hope and joy. God, we are so grateful that you give us those things. Would you help us to say yes to them every day? Would you help us to have the courage to not follow our heart, but to follow you and to help others do the same? We thank you and we praise you. And in Jesus' mighty name we pray. All God's people said. Amen. Let's stand and close in worship.